What's up, brother? You know, in Miami, uh, feeling it, uh, loving it. The Gonzo's uh, back. Yeah, it, uh, I'm in full form right now. Full form. Not well, full form maybe an overstatement. <laughs> Very sleep deprived after two days with no more than four, four hours of sleep in total, but uh, otherwise doing great. Well, I'm with the anomaly himself, um, Jeremy Garner, for those that know him. Jeremy has a wide background from the OG crypto days, Augur, blockchain capital, awesome ventures, and so much more, and has gone on since to keep entering new industries from men's skincare to psychedelics. So today, Jeremy, I, I want to dive into a lot of interesting things with you because I think you're such a like multifaceted person. Mm -hmm. um, but let's first start off for the people that maybe don't know you that might be new to crypto. Believe it or not, there's people that are new to crypto that might not have Jeremy Gardner. You know, I, I assume most people are new to crypto. I still have to ask people, or is it's actually this horrible uh, kind of ingrained response where I tell people like I invest in Bitcoin and blockchain technology if you know what that is mm -hmm. <laughs> because for so long I the expectations was that did it and now all of a sudden everyone's like of course I do well I was like two years ago did you I've been doing this for a while right <laughs> what, what, what is a while for you I think you started 2015, 2014. No, so I, I mean, I first discovered Bitcoin in 2011 oh, because wow. they wrote about it in Rolling Stone. They were, mm -hmm. In their hot issue, the hot black market Amazon.com was uh, the Silk Road. I thought that was awesome. I thought Bitcoin was dumb. So the, that part, part of my journey is relatively unimportant, but uh, it was late 2013 mm. when the price started going up uh, and I had um, some money I was making at the time I bought in at like a hundred dollars saw it go up to a thousand dollars thought it was a scam you know I, it was yeah. good for buying drugs on the internet speculative pump and dump asset sold it and then ended up transferring to the University of Michigan that winter and uh, living with just uh, a, a real Bitcoin believer who convinced me to read the white paper and suddenly everything clicked where coming from an unconventional crypto background, uh, I was very liberal, you know, I had been at Occupy Wall Street, worked in politics. Uh, not, but, not guns and carbonite. But no. <laughs> and, and so I ended up uh, uh, looking at Bitcoin from the lens of we need a new financial system because trying to regulate or fix the current one won't work and it won't empower the disenfranchised around the world mm -hmm. that don't have access to traditional banking. And I saw Bitcoin because that's really all there was at the time, being the solution. And so, you know, the, the white paper really opened my eyes. I read a lot of Vitalik's writing mm -hmm. uh, in Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, there were very scant resources uh, yeah. back then. Which Charles Hoskins had a Udemy course uh, where, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, with stick figures, and that's kind of how I came to learn Bitcoin and, blockchain technology yeah. as it's come to be known. It's, it's fascinating because, you know, nowadays, 
there's a flood of information where it's like keeping up with crypto. You know, I have a full analyst team, and it's still a, it's a full time job for many people to keep up. Back in those days, I mean, even you know when I started first started the fund, in two hours a day, I could pretty much keep up. You know, because you know back in back in that era, you know, you would read articles by let's say back in that years. era, it it was news if Bitcoin was in the news, like if if like. Boom, Bloomberg mentioned Bitcoin, or, or the economists mentioned Bitcoin, just like one word, massive deal. Like, you know, like when Bitcoin was in an episode of The Good Wife, mm, uh, I remember, yeah. back in, I think, 2013, that's what caused it to rally up to $100 for the first time, which is mentioned. I mean, uh, I mean, they, it, it, very, uh, you know, it, it was very limited what was going on. Mm -hmm. So then, and, and you decided to take it further. I know in when you called, you started blockchain education, the the, the, the blockchain network, education network, network. Ben. And then, how did you get into Augur? Because I know you also helped co-found Augur. Yeah. So, so the blockchain education network stemmed out of the fact that I was excited about crypto. Learned there was uh, uh, there was uh, Bitcoin clubs at MIT, mm -hmm. Stanford, and Michigan, where I was. So I had brought them all together and we're creating resources and educating ourselves because back then there were no college courses, mm -hmm. there were no books. Yeah. It was very, it was just very light reading. You, you had to be pretty fucking nerdy to, to like really appreciate the gravity of what blockchain technology yeah. could do because blockchain technology back then Reminder wasn't even a term yet. Cool. You, know, you know that 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 didn't come around until 2015 or so. Uh, but I met a brilliant 18-year-old computer scientist who had started a Bitcoin club at Pomona, Joey Krug, mm -hmm. and it was so funny. I mean, we're totally different people, and I knew that right away. Just he's you know kind of a, a geeky you know computer guy. And I was, you know, kind of a uh, party boy, you know, uh, you know, uh, ventureful, but I wouldn't even call myself anywhere near an entrepreneur at that point. But we just, we had chemistry and it was very clear. And, you know, he was, we were talking about startup ideas and we ended up, you know, deciding to build a startup together in the summer of 2014. I was at the University of Michigan working on the blockchain education mm -hmm. network and uh, we started working on a point of sale startup for crypto uh, uh, because uh, uh, all uh, point of sale systems were switching over uh, to the chip and debt system mm -hmm. and uh, uh, it seemed like an opportunity to integrate Bitcoin and, and crypto and uh, to create seamless transactions and we created the first ever um, uh, sound based Payment transaction. Well, Joe, we didn't. It was very cool. Uh, anyway, you know, we got interest, uh, uh, especially from my uh, student who would become my colleague, uh, Brock Pierce. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Joey was ready to take a, a leave of absence from mm -hmm. school, which, in other words, it's dropping out. I was not. I, you know, had battled my entire life to just like get close to achieving something which was like graduating from college yeah. and uh, it had been a, a tremendous struggle and uh, as fate would have it, 
I everything fell into place where all of a sudden I had to choose between going back to school and leaving everything that I was doing in crypto due to a mess up on the university's part and or going all in on Bitcoin and mm. blockchain technology. Joey had already made the decision and it made the decision easy enough for me. Uh, and, and God bless her soul, the uh, dean of the Honors College at University of Michigan encouraged me to take she a leave of yeah. absence, which was the highlight of my academic career. They did and that, touch base with her afterwards? But like, no, I, 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 written, I wrote her letter. I don't even know if I even ever sent it. <laughs> I gave a lecture at, at, at Michigan uh, a few years ago, and uh, I, I stopped by her office, but she wasn't there. Um, I, I definitely owe her one. That's awesome. Sweet. So, that, so that's kind of like how it led from 2014, beginnings of Augur, and then I guess your life changed pretty rapidly in 2015, 16, 17. I mean, I remember I, I was actually, you were on stage, I think it was January 2018, the North American Bitcoin Conference, that New York Times article just oh. hit. But like I was in the audience watching you. So, you know, it's, it's been a really weird where you were the poster child of crypto. So how, how did that kind of phase, you know, I, I, I guess on one The poster out. child for least crypto's nouveau reach, <laughs> like, you know, I, I, but yeah, yeah, it was an experience. So that's the question. Well, the, the question was, you know, so you've got, like, at the time, 2014, said, like, you know, there was only, you would learn through forums, blog posts, like, it was very, very nerdy, very niche. Reddit was huge. Reddit. It's so crazy. I don't use Reddit at all anymore. I haven't for years. Mm -hmm. But back then, like, our Bitcoin was the place. Was like, the like, like that's where people were all the time. That is that like if you like that was like uh, like where like glory was found in the world of Bitcoin mm -hmm. was on our Bitcoin. <laughs> so, so, so then, like, how did that evolve over time? Was it just like like step by step, or did you see like there was a one point in time we said, "Hey, this this industry has really changed. It's matured. It's I guess to one degree." Mature, but also I think that the soul of crypto certainly like altered because there's a lot of new entrants. So I've tried to play the part of a sociologist in my time and role in this industry simply because I didn't think enough people were taking that sort of sociological, anthropological perspective mm -hmm. of what was happening with what we were doing because I knew it was here to say. Well, at least by I'd say. 2016 or so, okay. it was pretty unambiguous. Um, when I dropped out of college, I told my parents, there's maybe a 5-10% chance that Bitcoin's successful, but mm -hmm. if it is, and I don't drop out of school, mm -hmm. I'll never forgive myself. And so I had to uh, deal with my parents not forgiving me for about 6-12 months, mm -hmm. but... Uh, thank God, it wasn't the other way around because I would have never forgiven myself for that. Uh, but, you know, beginning, I want to say probably in 2016 at the North American Bitcoin Conference here in Miami, um, I gave my first um, overview, the, uh, uh, the kind of uh, past, present, and future of crypto assets. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's so funny how I thought about these things. That, you know, the, these talks, uh, like the evolution of crypto assets and blockchain technology are, you know, all in 
YouTube in various forms. I'm not a great speaker. And no, I wasn't drunk. Drunk. <laughs> Everyone always thinks I'm drunk. I just uh, talk funny. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I I really stand by a lot of what I said in the early days. It's it was that the early days, the earliest days, call it 2008, nine. Mm -hmm to 2011-12, that was just like the nerds, the libertarians, yeah. a few poker players. It was it was just an idea. It was just a, a thought. But then the Silk Road happened, and, mm -hmm. and and that really was so important. It was it gave Bitcoin utility, and it really instructive use case uh, where it was it, it kind of laid out all the arguments for and against Bitcoin right there it was like there was this like incredibly strong libertarian ethos they weren't allowing the selling of weapons or like child pornography on the website it was all about like peer review of the like drugs so people could actually have higher quality drugs yeah. and uh, it, and it was a it was a it was a genuinely free market. Uh, it was it was it was very fascinating. Um, it, and, and definitely what initially attracted me to Bitcoin, even though I didn't like Bitcoin itself. But then the the way that you know Ross got taken down, and 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 how the FBI agents got caught trying to steal the Bitcoin showed how auditable and immutable. The blockchain is, and and how it, it it's not this good great tool for criminality. It's a great tool for freedom. It's actually not a great tool for criminality. But but with the rise of Silk Road, you have the emergence of a wild west era, which led to you know folks like my friend Charlie Schramm just rise and fall and Mount Gox imploding. Um, you know I. And, you know, in the even I'd say the ICO era was really part of that Wild West, mm -hmm. retrospectively. Yeah. My old presentations didn't have that much foresight, but the ICOs were really kind of Wild West. And I think you zoom out enough, you'd say even today is still NFTs the Wild West. A lot like the ICOs. NFTs, the, the, this, this point in time where the ability to create new speculative assets mm -hmm. out of the ether yeah uh, pun intended <laughs> is uh, it, it is game-changing in a lot of ways and I think it will measurably make the world a better place but at the same time it invites a lot of shit and I like you know it Everyone wants to get rich quick. Everyone wants to be a millionaire. I mean, everyone wants to be, you know, famous. Uh, and crypto has become this vehicle for people uh, to generate wealth for themselves uh, on a scale of innocuous to insidious uh, to terrible. But it it's... It's a compelling way for folks to try to 
uh, build capital quickly. And, you know, technology is morally ambiguous. It's not shocking. But it's definitely uh, exhausting for someone like me that does see the positive uh, potential of the tech. But I'd say when Gox went down, uh, crypto crash, you know, crypto had a real uh, branding issue. It was, it was Bitcoin, and Bitcoin was a bad word. Banks wouldn't touch it. Nobody wanted anything to do with it. And so a few management consultants were... Uh, called up by several executives in the industry, and there was I, a dinner I was at where it was established that we were going to start referring to this indi industry as blockchain technology. Oh, really? Yeah. It was full like that. Yeah, it was really, uh, it, it was like, we need we need to shift the narrative, yeah. and, uh, and, and the narrative shifted. That was, that was all it took. It was, uh, and all of a sudden, all these banks that had had Bitcoin, like kind of uh, ventures, or, yeah. or like were exploring Bitcoin and had canceled it because of Gox and all the negativity. Yeah, blockchain technology. They were like, we're uh, blockchain, not Bitcoin, yeah. and, and 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 then uh, it, it, things got very interesting because uh, suddenly you had large enterprises, some of the biggest companies in the world, mm -hmm. starting to really dip their toes in at that time around. 2015, 2016, executives, uh, financiers, yeah. you know, becoming, you know, real maximalists, yeah. real believers and, and, and founders and investors in yeah. this space. And it, it just, it, it started to mature very quickly. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, when getting up to the point you mentioned earlier, where I was, you know, on the cover of the New York Times style section and on Bloomberg and Forbes and uh, Business Insider and ABC Nightline, um, I real I came to this realization that this industry had was maturing much faster than I was. Like you know, like, <laughs> like you know, I was maturing in human years, and I call German uh, years. And, yeah, and, well, yeah, and I you know I don't think my 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 personal maturation is that different than most adults, but I was, you know, 26 at the time, I, yeah. or 27, I was a kid, and uh, and I was ex being put on this pedestal mm -hmm. that I never asked to be on. Yeah. I wanted to evangelize this technology, I didn't want to get rich, I didn't, I didn't want to, like, tell people, like, be responsible mm -hmm. for people's wealth being made in, and, uh, and, and, and there was, you know, a, a tremendous amount of responsibility, I felt. You know, because the, the narrative around the articles being written about me by late 2017, early 2018, you know, they were about the money. And I never had been about the money. And suddenly people were getting inspired to get into crypto because of me, I, but for all the wrong reasons. Like, that's that, 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 that was not the gospel I was trying to preach. And so I took a long and... A uh, very intentional step back from media in that evangelist position, simply because I didn't feel like I was as much needed anymore. I, one, I had established myself in crypto, and two, I was able to do more behind the scenes where I was much more comfortable. And so I haven't, uh, you know, I, I obviously did a big keynote uh, last summer with Tony Hawk at the Bitcoin conference, you know, from 90,000 people or whatever, 100,000 people, but it, was kind of 
that was about Tony. That was that was mm-hmm. me saying, "Look at this guy." Let's and that was what the conversation was about. Was how subcultures go mainstream, and uh, that that was very interesting. It was very intellectual. Uh, but I don't know the the, the poster child uh, thing. It was just I I. I I, I relate to all the, these uh, celebrities that joined the Twenty Seven Club, like in the higher early. So, like, and I didn't have a modicum of their fame. It, it, it was a lot. It was a lot. Well, let me, let me ask you this then. You know, since there are, you know, they, there's this irony that we have actually a lot of young people naked in crypto. You know, they reach a lot of success, and then there's also well, yeah, success or money. Those are two different things, but a lot of times they get the combination of the two, I would say. Okay. Well, there's, there's, there's success, there's money, and then there's also happiness. I've also seen a lot of young people. Uh, I've seen a lot of young money, people get rich. I've not a, seen a lot of young people in crypto be successful. How do you define success? Success is the ability to uplift those around you. Mm-hmm. So are you actually building something that people are using? Mm-hmm. Are you doing good in the world? Are you elevating people? Are you, you know, a pillar of whatever community you're in? Right. Uh, uh, that, that to me is success. Uh, making money, you know, uh, making a few million dollars of Dogecoin is not being successful. Of course. Well, I think, you know, part of it might be that so many of them, they make it so fast and it's, it's almost overwhelming where you're like, you know, like you said, you were put in that shoes of the, the yeah. poser child, so to say, and you're like, you, I didn't ask, but I, I didn't know how to handle that. There's... I've seen a lot of young crypto investors make tremendous amounts of money and there's almost like an identity crisis where they're like, wow, you know, like my life changed so much, at least, you know, monetarily, financially in the last, you know, 12 months and I don't know how to deal with that. Probably. Yeah, I, I, and I feel bad for them. Uh, I feel bad for anyone that gets rich quickly uh, and, and because, and, and there's no way to deal with it. I mean, I grew up in a comfortable middle-class family. My dad was a professor. My mom works at a nonprofit. Um, you know, we were comfortable. Uh, you, you know, but I didn't know how to deal with that sort of money. But what was good for me, uh, and, and you saw this, was that like I never did it for the money. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so when the money came, it didn't change anything for me. I didn't change anything about my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I still lived in the same house. I still uh, did all the same things. I didn't spend more money. I just reinvested it. And, and that's re- in the early years. And like, you know, so, because then the crypto castle, so like, you know, people now might see crypto castle, Jeremy, they're like, I want that. You know, then they associate it, that. It's scaled up uh, slowly over mm-hmm. time, but I think it, it, it took me almost half a decade to mm-hmm. begin to appreciate the money I have and not have imposter syndrome about it. Right. Pretty much all the money I made was going back into startups, mm-hmm. into philanthropy. I really didn't indulge. I, I know I was like Bitcoin's party boy, but I wasn't paying for any of that yeah. stuff. You know, people, that was <laughs> your thing. It was like, it was like, you know, what Dan Bilzerian does. He doesn't pay for any of that stuff. He's, you know, because people want to be around that, uh, it actually was a very cheap lifestyle, uh, you know, although appearing to be uh, expensive. But I, you know, I didn't, I, I spent very little of the money I made on anything beyond things that I see as investments. So then I'm asking is there's, you know, there's, there's probably a number of, you know, 20 something year olds that are watching this and they say, hey, look, I, I love crypto, I believe in it fundamentally. 
but of course I also wouldn't mind, you know, you know, making some money, being able to do this full time at the very least, you know, being able to work in there here in this industry supports me. You've seen a lot of people enter the space in the last, you know, half decade at this point, right? What would you say to the people have in common that made it in this industry and those that didn't? There's built something meaningful, so we can not just Wait, so, 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 so what, what are you asking? The, the question is, you know, you've seen, you've, you probably have met more founders in the crypto space than most people. What do, what do you think have the ones that actually built something meaningful have in common? They're not trying to get rich. Like that's, I mean, that's the thing. Like if you're doing it to make money, you're, you know, you may get rich. Like a lot, of, yeah. I mean, a lot of people have gotten rich in crypto, trying to get rich. But, mm. uh, but, but you look at Vitalik, the purest, most that's wonderful human being, just on the cover of Time magazine was literally sleeping on my couch in San Francisco and he was worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, had all these belongings in the world fit in one, like, Hello Kitty duffel bag. Like, he, the guy, like, like wow. Like, and he's going to be one of the most important person people of history. this century, if not in the history of humanity. I mean, the guy, the, I mean, Tom Brady called him. <laughs> and, he and he's like, I don't know who this Tom Brady guy is. He called, Tom Brady called him the GOAT in response to the Vitalik saying, I don't know who Tom Brady is. <laughs> like, do you, do you realize how great you have to be for one of the undisputed GOATs of GOATs yeah. to call you the GOAT when you kind After, of dismiss yeah. him? Like, oh my God. So. Like that's what it takes. I mean, that's what it takes. Is like like Vitalik and I like like it's similar to my relationship with Joey, but Vitalik's obviously yeah like 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 on another level of his own. Yeah, another level. Um, but 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 it, but it's this commonality and and seeing the value of the technology that you envision mm -hmm. being brought to the world and and, and doing something good. With. And that's and that's what I always find is so important. Uh, you know, making money is great, but you 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 have to see where your impact is going to be felt. If you don't yeah. see where the, the impact is going to be felt, it's very unlikely you're truly going to find great success. Um, it, 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 you know, and it can evolve with time. I don't think you know Travis Kalanick ever thought Uber would become what it was when he uh, started the company. But but you know he grew into the vision and and, and constantly aspired to build something great and yeah. uh, I think a lot of folks in crypto aspire to build what is enough like you know like it, is this gonna make money is this gonna get the investors good enough to go to like a yeah, 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 valuation yeah, yeah. And exactly that. and it's sad it, it's but it's the nature of an open source market that is so lucrative so 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 since you do a lot of investing too you know you had i think you just congratulations like you said you wrapped up awesome ventures that was well i bought out all my lps yeah you bought all your lps right and you guys have uh, awesome return i think 4.5 moc or something like that yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, just just under five x. Just under five x, including some projects that a lot of people know, yeah. like Filecoin. Yeah, um, and like three and a half years. But it was mostly to be transparent. It was mostly through the crypto positions we had taken correct. and held. Uh, but we what we did was 
you know, several of our uh, uh, portfolio companies were marked up or, or are mark, marked up. And I've always had this cognitive, uh, sorry, a bit of attention, but I've had this cognitive dissonance mm -hmm. about my crypto wealth. I, it's hard to feel it's well-deserved. Like, I look at the way that you have gone and built out your kind of investing firm, and, like, you really worked. But, like, I... I was in a lot of the right places at a lot of the right times, and I made a lot of money. And you know, I I definitely had an impact. I, I I'm not I'm not suggesting that, but I definitely uh, have always for a long time struggled with the amount of wealth I made, and wasn't interested in that being my legacy. And mm -hmm. so I you know have constantly sought to just reinvest, you know, like I said, I've lived actually quite frugally over the past mm -hmm. six or so years of, since I became a multimillionaire yeah. virtually overnight. And I have constantly reinvested and, you know, don't want really much of my wealth in the future to come from crypto. Mm -hmm. I feel like that was great and I think there's so much upside in crypto and I think if I put all my money in crypto, it's probably one of the best places I could do it, but I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to make my money doing other things that I think I can be more impactful. Well, you know, I, and you know, what, we're, you know, the, what I was trying to get at with the, with, with the fund investments was, you know, like that is, is, do you filter for those kind of mindsets in your founders? You well, like that well, Awesome Ventures was a social impact fund. Okay. So, so we were focused on the, that intersection of blockchain technology crypto assets yeah. and, and social impact and uh absolutely i mean that, that i mean i won't is it just a feeling like, when you talk to a like, founder that you're like okay he's in it for the right thing or yeah i mean oh, i i should I'll, I'll say top 10 market cap crypto yeah. um met the founder he was still at the large fortune 500 tech company he was at was planning to create this new blockchain Sounded great. He sounded like he had the tech chops. He was an asshole, and I, I really just didn't like it. Like he sounded really smart. He wanted me to invest. He knew who I was at the time. This was must have been twenty seventeen. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I don't, yeah, don't, yeah, don't, yeah. don't don't I'm don't not saying it. I'm saying it. We're not doing this. Uh, but but I just thought he was an asshole, and. Uh, you know, I never followed up with them. Uh, I and it, it's now, like I said, a top ten crypto would have made an ungodly amount yeah. uh, for myself, my fund. Don't regret it for a second. And uh, yeah. it, 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 you could call it a miss, but uh, and you know, no, listen, I, I feel you. There's so, there's so many times I like loudly speak out out against tokens, like whether it's the Shiba Inos or even stuff like that's more in cities in my eyes, like a Ripple or Cardano, where I'm like, hey, you know, you're you're presenting like. You're fooling people into believing something while not building anything of value. And it makes everybody look bad. It makes the industry look bad. It sets us back. And so, like, I think it's it's and it's okay to have these misses if you stand for something, like, if you actually believe in, in this industry long term. Whether it's this industry or another industry, like, there's so many times when you can cut corners either as a builder or as an investor. And, yes, you make profit. That's great. But you fucking ruin something that's great in, in the process. Yeah. And I feel very strongly about that. I, I, just, I just, I don't want to support people that I don't think are going to make the world better. 
Mm. It doesn't matter how much money I can make. And it, 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 I don't want to live, I don't want to have demons. I, I live, so, I live, I, I go to bed at night, sometimes, you know, stressed about work, but never stressed about have I done the right thing. Mm. I never, I, I never have to question that because I always try to do the right thing. And, and, and that's all you can strive for. And, and, and then investing is no different. I mean, most, most of Great investors will tell you there's no, uh, the, the, there are no, there's no morality in investing. You just invest. Uh, but uh, I, 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 I don't believe that. I, I, I believe yeah. you should invest, or I, I want to only invest in, a, in technology, people, ideas that make the world better. Yeah, and and and, I think and, and that can be incredibly lucrative. Right, and, and I think it, it actually aligns with you know the timing when you enter industries for you specifically because I've had this this thought too one night where I was thinking like you know honestly like investors were kind of just riding the coattails of successful founders and like with with or without our money they will succeed because great founders will fucking win. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when I look at you know the industries you invest in, and this is kind of how we can like segue too because you know you're somebody that always that I found repeatedly now not always but repeatedly you know invest into what I call the gray zones like. When things are still questioned, like crypto, when you first started, was highly questioned, right? Now you get and you start just recently started Mystic Ventures, which invests into psychedelics. Still highly questioned in several states. You know the, the oh, it's federally it's Schedule One. It's the same as heroin. Yeah. Right. Right. And then the same like so. You know whether it's Silk Road where people said like. But oh, you you don't want to talk about skincare here. Right? We can talk about skincare too. No, skincare. <laughs> no, so, I, I, no, I'm just so, giving you a hard time because <laughs> because it 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 it. it what you're talking about, the skincare just falls right into. It's the fact that guys don't take care of their skin for one reason, one reason only is they're not taught to growing up, even though 100% of women take care of their skin. Men do not. We don't trust me, skin. this is not all natural. No, no I, I take care of you. I know that. But, 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 but you know, your skin is something you should take care of. It's, it's the majority of a first impression. and and. Yeah, there's these stigmas and, and the lack of education and, and, and in, in that stigma and in that uh, lack of awareness, there's an opportunity. It is a gray zone. It's not a, perhaps a legal gray zone, uh, mm -hmm. but it, it, it is a gray zone nonetheless. I, I mean, because gray zones are where the opportunities are. That, that's the thing. It, it's where the opportunities, but I think also that other word you really like that you really associate with is legacy, where you actually make an impact. Yeah. Like you starting Mystic Ventures can have an actual measurable effect on which direction, you know, it, it can go domestically, um, which companies succeed or fail. Because the truth is in those early stages, whether it's crypto or psychedelics, those companies really need support because there's so few people back in. Once something is crowded and everybody wants to throw money, whether you do it or someone else doesn't matter. Yeah, like I, it's so weird to me that someone wants to invest in a company that Sequoia already invested in. I always love when the companies that I invest in get backed by Sequoia mm -hmm. after I invest in them. I'm like, right. that's cool, but like, who cares? And then you're like, my job is done here. Yeah, 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 yeah. My job's done. Like, exactly. And, and and that's kind of how I felt with crypto was that it was like, all right, like pretty much most of the impact I can have here. Um, is done now. Now, now I do a lot of stuff behind the scenes, of mm -hmm. course. But uh, and uh, in front, it, it's I'm, I'm a less necessary presence. But in psychedelics, it's not true. Psychedelics needs champions. Psychedelics needs people that 
by, you know, whatever measure of success you use for myself, you can say this guy has done well, he's in, in, in the eyes of society, mm -hmm. and he's talking about uh, psychedelics and destigmatizing uh, their deeply healing and, and impactful potential. And I feel like I'm in crypto in 2014. I feel like right. I've, there's something, I have an understanding of something that much of the world does not, in that my activism, whether it's investing, entrepreneurship, um, uh, or, or, or spokesmanship, uh, all of that can be used to actually shape and the the path that this emerging nascent industry goes into. My ability to shape the the, the, the path that crypto takes now is very negligible. It's diminished, yeah. Back in 2014, oh. uh, it, it was outsized for a 22 year old, 23 year old. If so, you have the right meeting, you bring the right yeah. person to crypto. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I could spend hours telling you how the small things I did have had these massive impacts on effectively the world at this point, and and that I mean that that's what I strive for in life. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's why I'm doing the psychedelic stuff. But psychedelics also are just a huge part of my life. Uh, it's something uh, life-saving. I wouldn't have gotten into crypto without them. I wouldn't have got, you know, to me, made the decisions I made in my professional career mm -hmm. without psychedelics. And so it's very personal to me. And I think, you know, there's the Japanese concept of ikigai, which is... Uh, is the perfect formula for finding for living a fulfilled life yeah. and it's you know not just about your work or your job it's also about what the world needs and what you can get paid for and it's, it's just this great concept and things like uh, doing what you love that yeah, you're good well, at what you're good what, no, it is what you're you're good at uh, what you love uh, what you can get paid for and what the world needs mm -hmm. And, um, and and if you can find that intersectionality, which many people will not find in their careers, and you don't need to, you just need to have some basic sense of fulfillment in what you're doing. But you need to find that in your life. You need to, right. and and I'm in a, a position of tremendous privilege where I can say nothing I do should misalign with my icky guy. So tell me a little bit more about you know Mystic Ventures now. Perhaps maybe not the Mystic Ventures part, but uh, you know some of the experiences you've had. You know, I, I think you know even, even I, you know, and I'm a, a lot more buttoned up than you. You know, like people could see me as conservative, but really, like I've had psychedelic experiences. I think they've been really impactful in my life. And even though there's 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 still a taboo, I think that taboo has been like reducing quite a bit, especially if you're a little bit more you know liberal, see like Los Angeles where I used to be. Um, you know. How do you see psychedelics being integrated into normal life when they're still supposed to be, you know, as the name suggests, a mystic experience? Like, you know, they're, they're not supposed to be used recreationally. Or maybe you disagree. I, I mean, I look. <laughs> like, two, two Saturdays ago, I, like, uh, I, I ate a bunch of mushrooms with the girl that I'm seeing and went on a hike and, and with my dog and just had the best time and it was just such a beautiful, romantic, like bonding experience. And it was totally recreational. Mm -hmm. There was no, I wasn't 
I mean, you could say it was personal growth, it was a relationship growth, mm -hmm. but like I wasn't working anything out. Like I actually, I rarely use psychedelics anymore to work things out. I, I, I'm at a point in my life where most of that wisdom that psychedelics have to show me in terms of my personal growth, they've showed me. I, it's mm -hmm. just now I need to act on it because, you know, psychedelics don't solve your problems. They just show you what sure your problems you. actually are. Uh, and so, but I, I, I think in a response, like you look at in Amsterdam and, you know, you, you eat those truffle chocolates and you just ride around on bikes and do it uh, recreationally. I think it's, we're far away away from that. Mm -hmm. And I think American culture is just terrible for recreational mushrooms. Mm -hmm. People will just start driving their cars, will be terrible. Like, I, I don't think probably America can ever have recreational mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, mushrooms, maybe like, like legal retreat spaces where you sure. can eat mushrooms and have fun and just not kill yourself, but mm -hmm. or others. Uh, but th that that's far ways away. But it is it, 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 it's such a practical medicine. First of all, it's you know there, there, there's this thing called the stone date theory where scientists still aren't exactly sure how we d d went from kind of monkeys to modern homo sapiens like mm -hmm. developed thought and consciousness and self-awareness yeah and uh then there's a compelling argument that we ate mushrooms and we and we needed to vocalize what we were experiencing during these psychedelic experiences and then we developed language as a result mm -hmm. whether or not that's true we know that for thousands of years tens mm -hmm. of thousands of years um and, and in many of the most mainstream religions, yep. uh, uh, you know, psychedelics have been consumed uh, uh, in various forms. And that's because they're transformational substances that are, you know, yes, they're medicines that they, 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 they can heal, but that's the first step of psychedelics. Just, and, and that's where I'm mostly focused today, mm -hmm. is on the healing. But, and it's why I love uh, having a venture fund in this space. Because uh, everyone in this, no one in this space, like in Silicon Valley or in crypto says, we're going to change the world. Everyone said, or we're going to make a lot of money. <laughs> That's a more of a crypto thing. But, uh, but we're, we're, people say in psychedelics is we're healing the world. Oh, and I love that. Yeah. And that's true because the, the first part of psychedelic medicine or psychedelic substances is in order for you to truly enjoy them and see, have, uh, you, you know, perhaps use them recreationally, mm -hmm. you first have to heal from you know, because they're yeah. going to show you your wounds. Psychedelics don't give you what you want. They give you what you need. Mm -hmm. And it's often working through healing, trauma, uh, you know, pain, uh, uh, roadblocks in your life. And uh, if that's all that psychedelics are ever able to accomplish, great. Like, like, let's fucking send it and like, let's reschedule them and, and get them to market because we know, we know empirically with about a half dozen of these substances that the impact on treating a whole host of mental in, uh, illnesses uh, such as depression, trauma, PTSD, um, sexual dysfunction, like like things like even Alzheimer's and strokes. I mean, the list goes on and yeah. on. The results that we're getting with psychedelics are 10x. 
any drug on the market it, it, because it, it does something different than what any other drug does, which is it, it reconfigures or reprograms your brain in how it reacts to certain problems uh, that your body in, uh, interacts with or your brain interacts with. How are they able? Are the tests being done like in other countries or? No, no, they're being done here. The, the, FDA, the FDA allows you, even if something's a Schedule One narcotic, mm -hmm. if, a, if a doctor can make a compelling argument, as beginning with like lab studies and rats, that you know that this could actually like heroin cures AIDS. Like, <laughs> if someone could actually prove that in a scientific manner. You, that's how the FDA system works. You you start with animal studies. You you certainly start with thesis, and yeah. then you know eventually with animal studies. And then if you get the approvals, then you do small human control groups, and and then you begin to scale up. It's the same thing with psychedelics. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and but what I'll say is that the FDA and the U.S. government more broadly, in terms of the the fact that they're not writing grants, are incredibly receptive to psychedelics. It's 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 a brave new world right now because uh -huh. because we have a few really compounding factors. We have a massive raging mental health crisis mm -hmm. uh, exacerbated deeply uh, by the pandemic yep. and by social media uh, and, and by you know the, the, just the, the the the, the the fracturing uh, of civil society as a result of the web mm -hmm. and, 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 and and how that affects politics and such yeah. and so the, the, there's that one big factor and and then and then things like teen suicide and depression yeah. and 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 people care about children but and then there are veterans we we've we're coming out of 20 years of war and we have a generation of traumatized uh, citizens that are not getting the treatment that they need. And that's a, the most bipartisan issue there is. Um, and then we have the big pharma, which nobody really likes. Their way of helping people is through this band-aid methodology where you're constantly spending money mm -hmm. and going more and more for treatment, but you're not actually healing. Correct. And, and and so it, it, these are not these are not these are not politicized matters that I just discussed. These are kind of generally accepted truths, right. and, and and it affects every single person in America and, and, and broadly the world. And so there is if. When the science is as compelling as the studies that have come out in the past eight or nine years mm -hmm. um, is, where it's literally 10x efficacy in treating something like post-traumatic stress or depression uh, or suicidal ideation, it is it, it, there's there's not enough momentum in the other direction, if any, mm -hmm. uh, to prevent you know the FDA from you know giving these drugs or substances breakthrough status, expediting their studies, and it's happening so fast, so fast. I mean, I think we're gonna see legalized MDMA uh, and uh, psilocybin, at least for, for, for medicinal usage, 
uh, at a federal level before we see it for cannabis because the results are so outstanding. Really? What yeah. time frame do you think? Like, are we talking like two to three months? years? Oh wow! That's uh, a max because Ooh. the because the way it works with FDA trials is if you say, hey, I'm treating mushrooms for depression or treating uh, 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 PTSD with MDMA. Um, and you get through stage three trials with the FDA and they approve your results, the DEA then has a 45-day window to reschedule yeah. the substance. And then within those 45 days, they have to, it has to be scheduled three or four or un, unscheduled, although I don't know if that's ever happened before. And so, so that means that, and now both MDMA and psilocybin are in stage three trials, wow. and they're going to get approval, and they're going to get rescheduled. And, and also just think of like how much extra damage the, the illegal market does because like so many times people buy, let's say they think they're buying MDMA, but then, you know, it's laced or something like that. Like, yeah, so, well, yes, MDMA, sure. That's an issue. Psychedelics have less of an issue mm -hmm. uh, in the black market. Uh, it, they're just not as lucrative of markets. Mm -hmm. um, um, but, 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 uh, Legalization More could. importantly, psychedelics are not the silver bullets a lot of evangelists will make them out to be. Okay. They're tools. It just, it just like a blockchain is in the silver bullet Correct. to any problem. It's, it, these are tools that are means to an end. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and it, they, they give you, they're tools that provide you with the information that you need to do the work yourself. Mm -hmm. That you may not otherwise have, uh, but 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 that's it, and, and that requires instruction and guidance and integration and, and preparation, mm -hmm. and that's what makes it so important. Like I'm like I'm not, I'm not convinced that recreational, like I said earlier, recreational psychedelics in America. I don't I think they're probably a good idea. Like <laughs> maybe slightly infused, like microdoses are fine. I think yeah. Um, like like a like a slightly mushroom infused drink or cocktail, totally chill. Like LSD, microdose once again, cool. Ketamine has all of them, but but MDMA. But but what it what's really important is that if we want to heal the world, as uh, a lot of the proponents of psychedelics say. And more importantly, evolve humanity's consciousness, which is the thesis behind mm -hmm. the Mystic Ventures, my fun, uh, is the elevation of consciousness. Um, we need to have a deeply integrative approach to psychedelics, where individuals have uh, the tools that they need to make the most of the experience, and it's not just getting high or seeing some crazy shit. That's right. All of those can be fun too. But yeah. now this is awesome. Um, you know, learn a lot from today's talk. I mean, you know, from you know from the, from the earlier parts, we talked about how the, the best founders in crypto they went out there for the money. You know, keeping in mind the tallies of the world. And you know, if you're driven by just the money, you're probably not going to make it that far. And then in terms of like you know, Mystic Ventures, really seeing the parallels now, where you know, both to, like mm -hmm. back in crypto, the banks, the banks will never allow. Now people say, oh, like Fondo might not allow. But the thing is. It doesn't matter, you know. In my eyes, if, it, if, it, if it's truly better and we can prove it, it will happen. Then that is the great beauty of the internet: is that information flows very freely. And uh, for, it's Pandora's box, and I'm I, and the internet may be the downfall of modern civilization. 
but it, it to give it credit, it, it, it make, ensures that the best ideas have the best chance of winning. Yeah, and and that's even in the age of social media where people say like, oh, there's you know disinformation, disinformation, disinformation but yeah. but ultimately, if you you know, ideas always find a way to come across. So yeah. What's the best way for people to find out more about you, keep in touch with you and your ventures? Uh, yes, the dudes, of course, get get Mate Man. Yeah, yeah, try out our skincare. But um, uh, but I, I think just following me on Twitter is easy. Uh, Disruptivepreneur, but you can just look up oh. Jeremy Gardner. Although I'm trying to change my handle to my Instagram handle, which is Gonzo Gardner. Gonzo Gardner. Yeah, ha, ha, have some consistency there. Just got the trademark for that, actually. Uh, <laughs> oh, you got you got Gonzo Gardner. Yeah, I've got I've got uh, only a few trademarks. Made Man, uh, Gonzo Gardner, and Crypto Castle. Those are my uh, uh, very proud trademarks. Uh, I'm not a big IP guy, but oh. Well, hey, did you get any interesting questions on your Instagram? I want to see if there's anything that was fun. I, I would have to check. Check. Um, uh, I, I, I always enjoy. Where's the phone hiding? Yeah. I don't think I have my phone. Check. Oh, it's is it hiding? Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I don't want to throw you under the bus here, but I, 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 I always love to see what people ask. Let's take a look. Here, let, let, let me look at this <laughs> and see if there's anything good. I was only three uh, opinions on random tokens. What do you think? Of, I forget that. For a second, I experienced with both of you. Okay, why? We we can we can scroll through all those real quick. Uh, why don't we do the last two and, and end on the first one? I mean, I don't know if you have opinion. These these, these are three tokens. There. Just ask questions, and I'll give my okay, opinion on DeFi chain. So, no. no. Uh, my view on blockchains is that there's probably not going to be more than six main blocks. Oh, yeah, and, and you know, I'm so bullish on Ethereum right now. I can't even tell you. Uh, I saw you went long recently. Yes, uh, but uh, yeah, Ethereum. I mean, I, I obviously I built the first application on Ethereum, and it's been a huge part of um, my personal journey. But um, I also couldn't be more bullish on it. Bitcoin as well. I just hugely bullish. Solana is very interesting, but you know, and, and there's a Solana give it US vibes. What? The Solana gives me EOS vibes. Solana gives me lots of vibes, uh, <laughs> but, but, but it's got a community. Yeah. Uh, the, the strongest community I've seen that isn't just like crazy, like XRP tards. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but it's, it, it's very unclear beyond that. I, it's really Bitcoin and Ethereum. I, I, everyone's like, I want you to give me crypto investments. Buy Bitcoin and ETH, and then maybe keep 10% of your crypto investments for speculative shitcoining, investing, whatever, uh, you know, or j j just allocating into projects that you think may be rocket ships, but like Bitcoin and ETH are all like guaranteed rocket ships. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so, uh, you I mean, know, if crypto succeeds, ETH is going to succeed. And same well, thing with crypto's has succeeded. Right, right, right. 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 That point. So, so, no, so, it keeps, you know, it, uh, you know not investing in, in, in Bitcoin and it's like not having invested in Google or Apple mm. or you know, Domino's or one, one of these uh, <laughs> Domino, <laughs> Apple Dom, Domino's. Dom, Domino's has been the best performing stock of the past 20 years. Really? Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> incredible business. That's a lot about the culture, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, or maybe not the best, but one yeah. of them is really, I mean, great, great stock. Anyway. Uh, but it, it, but Bitcoin eats you're just stupid if you don't have at least ten percent of your wealth in it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just it, yeah. it's just 
no brainer. And then what's next one? Next one was what do you think about AMP slash Flexa? You know, yeah, like I said, I, I don't have an opinion. Even on the on the cryptos I own that aren't Bitcoin any, like my opinions don't matter. It's all speculation. We don't know what's going to be successful. You need to develop a hypothesis around what you know is interesting and, and be a part of it. That's the cool thing about crypto. You can help make these uh, uh, projects successful. They're mostly open source teams. Mm. Like go and and help these teams and realize their vision. Um, if you're just making money off of crypto without actually being a part of its success, it feels it, empty too. It, it, it's vapid. It's meaningless. Like, who cares if you're a millionaire? Like, ten percent of Americans are millionaires. It's, it's, who cares if you're a billionaire? If you don't do, if you haven't done anything to earn that money, who cares? Go, go, be a part of these projects that excite you. I, I agree. But still, don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Yeah, but no, for me, what was a huge difference, but I used to just, you know, trade discretionarily, you know, like trade charts and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that's what it's I was pushing, cynical about, yeah. It's pushing <laughs> shit from right to left, and it's, like, meaningless, but, you know, we, we really changed maybe, like, two, two, two and a half years ago or so, where we started, like, actively working, working with the teams, getting to know the founders, getting involved, and, like, it's so much more fulfilling and long last. So I can look at projects and say, like, hey, you know, I helped be part of this. I helped, like, you know, get this to where it is now versus, you know, I hit buy and I hit sell, which is just, the, the last question was first psychedelic experience. Who uh, you? you they both of you. You're not escaping this one. Um, you know, I think I think the first meaningful uh, psychedelic experience was no first. I, I think it's the same one. Uh, I mean, I went straight. I went straight to the the finish line with that one. I went to ayahuasca. Oh wow! I, yeah, yeah, I did an ayahuasca ceremony back in. 2018. I just sent one of my employees to Peru with a bunch of combat veterans uh, to do ayahuasca for the first time as an employee benefit. I, that's special. That's incredible. <laughs> but you know, I, you know, I, I went right down the deep end with that one. Obviously, you know, because a lot of people they try, you know, stuff like you know, let's say mushrooms first. I don't become edibles. You know, there's a lot, a lot of other stuff to do. But um, I always said no because like I knew somebody who was a shaman, and I was like, eh, I don't know what that. And then one time I just felt ready for it, and I think it's important that when you want to do an experience that you feel like comfortable with it, ready for it. And you know, obviously something I was is deeply personal, so I'm not gonna go all over it. But um, after that, I was very open to the, 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 this industry because just like it, like you said, it doesn't show you what you want; it shows you what you need, right? It made me especially, especially ayahuasca. You know, like you take a deep look inside, like a deep, deep look inside the last like eight hours. Um, and afterwards, you know, like on, on one hand, it shows you what you need to work on, but I think a lot of work is also kind of done under the hood, where like, you know, afterwards, you start it's noticing, like, like afterwards, you know, start, I started noticing things have changed. I was like, huh, you know, like, of course, I'm consciously working on making myself better, like working on these issues. But like your life time, is better. Yeah, my life is better. Yeah, like, well, and then that's where microdosing is a very interesting concept. And, and, and I noticed that in, in, in a couple ways. One, like I, I journal. So like I used to journal like every single day, now a little bit less. But um, I could just tell like in the tone, like if I read pre-Aya, post-Aya, you know. It gives like, you a new lease on life. It, yeah. really, it, it can really just open your eyes to a better version of yourself. Yeah, much more. Like you said, like uplift the upbeat, like not as dark, you know. Yeah. I think it filtered a lot of that out, and in fact, I was actually visualized saw while I had it. Like you know, I would like I would the dark flowing through my subconscious. I saw like you know dark spots went on, and I would literally clean it up. You know, like visually, it was weird. Um, that was one of many things I saw. But 
Um, and then secondly, also, and this is something that I would credit like all kinds of you know psychedelics with, is that at least for myself, I'm starting to try things consciously. Um, and you know, let's say an, an MDA makes you feel very happy, upbeat, and everything. And then afterwards, I ask myself, hey, you know what? Like that, that's inside of you. How can you how can you how recreate you that even it? without it, right? Like obviously, like you were able, like you know, simple example. Like I'm somebody who's really introverted. Like at yeah. times, I can be on podcasts and stuff like and talk for hours. But like personally, and you know me, you know, I'm, I can be more introverted. And you know, when you try things like that, you're like, wow, you know, like I'm, I'm sociable. I'm like, I can, you know, I, I feel comfortable. I don't care who's around. I don't care who's using me. I, you know, none of that stuff matters. So I'm like, hey, you know, if you are able to think like that and be like that, it's inside of you. So. What changes can I make to my life, to my psyche, and so forth, um, to be more like that? So that's kind of like that's been some of my early experiences. Um, in fact, I think a lot of early experiences happened with you. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Well, yeah. Rick Doblin from Matt, who are the folks that are getting MDMA rescheduled mm -hmm. uh, and doing all the studies and just great advocacy group and nonprofit, um, has this great line that. Psychedelic substances don't create psychedelic experiences. Psychedelic substances create human experiences mm -hmm. brought on by the medicine. And uh, that, is, that is the potential of these substances. The, the, the end game is not to get everyone tripping on mushrooms or aya. It's to get people becoming the people that mushrooms and aya enable you to Mm. What was your first experience? My experience, uh, to keep it short, uh, you know, I think I've, I've been talking about this a lot recently, and I've got a podcast, What Makes a Man, if you're interested. Uh, but uh, my first experience, I was 14 years old, really rough period of my life. I was depressed, mm. five different psychiatric drugs, like suicidal ideation on a regular basis. Um, Getting kicked out of schools, arrested, ate 3.5 grams of mushrooms, which is a full dose for an mm. adult human. I was a <laughs> scrawny, skinny boy, uh, and tripped my balls off. And it was the most joyful, euphoric experience of my life. Uh, I was in so much pain, I had so much anger and resentment, and it was just, it, it, it. I became unburdened and mm. let go. I achieved in that moment what I believed was nirvana. It was, uh, you know, what I can now say, God, I was like an atheist at the time, but I, it was a godly experience. Yeah. I, I, and it was, uh, it was a truly uh, a spiritual awakening. I wouldn't recognize it as such for several years, but uh, I afterwards I never had suicidal ideation again. Uh, I, I, my entire disposition changed, and then uh, a year later, I took the same dosage again, and I got this message from God, if you will, as people know it, saying, you don't need these psychiatric drugs. I got off all five of them, and I uh, haven't had a depressive episode in 15 years, and so, you know, the profundity can't be understated, but every path of my journey... Every, everywhere where my life has gone right has come from psychedelics. And, it, 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 you know, I had this horrible imposter syndrome for years in crypto. 
And, you know, and, and just being very aware of my privilege as a white, you know, educated, middle-class kid in America, where, you know, it, it, you know, it, it, people are forgiving and, and they say, and they give you second chances, a way where even if my just skin color or gender or place I was born or my education was different may not have been the case. And what I think mushrooms and psychedelics broadly uh, truly helped me appreciate um, was my potential to be more than I was at that moment. Like, you know, I, I was very, even long after becoming successful or wealthy, um, um, I, I, I still was stuck in this mental rut of just being a fuck up, being a mess up, uh, yeah. being, you know, you know, and being lucky to an extent, but you know, uh, not, not, not uh, really, I, I, it took me until a couple of years ago to realize, or a year ago, even to realize I still had low self-esteem and and it, it's given me the tools to you know really just love myself better but also have the courage to achieve potential that latent potential that exists within all of us uh, and really unlock it and, and lean into it and uh, have a sense of knowingness in everything that I do that enables me to be successful in the, in the sense that I defined earlier. Uh, you know, wealth is, even wealth is not what most people think it is. It's not, money is it's stupid. Money is just something that you can have and can be useful if you're smart about it. Uh, but it's not necessary and it's not, it should never be the goal. And yeah. so, uh, you know, my life is just so deeply filled with meaning and purpose and fulfillment and and just so much of that stems from my psychedelic experiences. So it sounds like you're on the right path then. I mean uh, in the world. I'm supercharged and charging ahead and overworked and uh, killing myself but in all the best ways. Yeah. And that's something I always respect about you. I you know so many times I actually just sent you a story recently how and I think anytime we hung out, even in Miami, there might be twenty girls around 1 a.m. We're sitting mm -hmm. on a computer, working. Uh, yeah, when work comes first, you know, you, there's always more good times. Like, you know, you can always have a fun time, but you have to you have to learn what your priorities are. And one thing, despite all the debauchery, de degeneracy, and fun times I have, hey, I have a capacity to always put my work first and 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 do what needs to be done. And, you know, that's one thing people can't hold against me despite all my uh, <laughs> vices is that I, 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 you know, I, I'm dependable and, and, and I, 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 I get it done and, and that's, you know, all you can ask for at the end of the day. Amazing, brother. Well, I'm really excited for what you're going to be building with Mystic Ventures and Made Man. And, yeah. and this is just and chapter have, one. I'm sure there's so much. And debauchery, degeneracy, and, uh, and impact. we go, we got to go do things uh, and go check out uh, Peace Dow. Uh, we're going to go to a fundraiser, uh, and we're going to go help support some Ukrainian refugees. And then That's a, little, a little bit of <laughs> Fun times on at Music Week, but that's not. Fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, brother. Thank you, my man.